Well, I have never had a job, never had a problem with burnout until about a year ago. Um, I've always had like a, a, a pretty high motor and uh, I've always been just an excitable guy. I can rally around any sort of cause or mission. And so I just always am that guy. I'm just always fired up, always excited. Um, and then really the thing for me that's, that's helped me guard against burnout for so long is, um, is I have just had a job that I love. I, uh, for a number of years now, have been on full-time staff here at Grace as the executive pastor. And um, man, when you love your job, it, it's, it's super helpful. Who, who loves your job? Who's proud enough to raise your hand and say, I mean, I love my job. Yeah, it's just, isn't it great? I mean, it's, it's hard to burn out when you love your job. Um, in fact, I didn't even think it was possible to burn out uh, when you have a job that you love. Um, but I indeed ended up burning out. And um, I can explain the cause of my burnout in just two words. Two words. Construction project. That's it. Yeah. Some of you are laughing, uh, familiar laughs because, um, because you know, you, you, you can relate to this. In fact, some of you, like your blood pressure kind of went up as you were laughing, man. Like you got a little PTSD from that construction project because maybe you have firsthand experience with that. Um, for me, um, I was the one on, on the grace side who was overseeing the construction of this space. And as cool as this space is now, man, oh, the, the process to get there was really, really ugly. And, um, you know, in construction, they say that um, whatever time frame they give you for the project, just double it immediately. And that's kind of more realistic. For us, they told us six months and it took us two years, two years. It was, it was wild. And there's so much that I could say about this, but this isn't my therapy session, guys, okay? I'm not up here to try and feel better about myself. I'm trying to share something that's helpful for you. Uh, but I do want to just say one thing about this. Uh, during this construction project, there were some days that I was so far from Jesus, I wasn't even sure I was a pastor anymore. You know what I'm saying? It was, I was losing my religion, man. It was, it was I'm serious, I'm serious. And, and actually, in a serious note, um, so um, I went with my family on spring break this past April and ca- came back from spring break completely unplugged that, that vacation. You know that vacation where you're like just totally off the grid, it's amazing. Uh, came back and uh, man, I, I just needed it so bad. I walked into the office the first day back. This is just in April, a few months ago. And, um, and I realized that was the first day that I wasn't dreading walking back into work. Like, it was the first time I hadn't dreaded coming to work in months. Now this is a job I love. This is my dream job. And that was, that was how I felt. And I realized, oh my goodness, this, this is a problem. I was in total burnout denial. And, uh, and I realized I, I'm in burnout. I am in burnout. And, um, and so here we are. Here we are. We're in the final part of this series on work-life balance. Um, where we have been the last three weeks of this series is going through this amazing book of the Bible in the Old Testament called Ecclesiastes, filled with deep wisdom and perspective. And the reason that we have been going through Ecclesiastes is because you have to understand why you are out of balance if you're ever going to get in balance, okay? You have to understand why you're out of balance in your life or your life will never have balance. So with that as the foundation, uh, today we are going to get really practical. We are going to check out some biblical wisdom around beating burnout. Now, the first question is this, how do you know if you're burned out? 
How do you know? Um, so the, the way that you know if you're burned out is when things get nuts. When things get nuts. Now that's an acronym that stands for when you're negative, unfocused, tired, and stressed. Now, I'm just not talking, you know, we've all had days like this. We've all had weeks like this, right? Where, we, where things are nuts. I'm not talking about a day or a week. I'm talking about extended seasons of your life when you're negative, unfocused, tired, and stressed. Now, um, just about all of you just, just finished taking that self-assessment, burnout self-assessment. Um, if you didn't take it, take it right now, okay? F- fill that out. And, uh, and here's, here's uh, what I want to share with you. If I had taken that assessment a year ago when I, was, when I was in burnout, this is what my results would have looked like. I'm just going to be totally transparent with you guys, okay? All of my answers, all of my answers a year ago Thank God it's not this way today for me. But all of them were either strongly agree or agree. As you're looking at your burnout self-assessment, as you're looking at your answers, that gray bar where the agree and the strongly agree are, if the majority of your answers are over to the right, there's a very good chance you're either in burnout right now or you are on your way to burnout. And so... If that's you, if you feel like, man, I, I, I think I'm in burnout, um, what do you do? What do you do? Or maybe that's not you, praise God, but maybe you, you, you immediately someone comes to mind like, oh my goodness, but I know someone who's in, in burnout. Or maybe you're just like, I'm not, but I don't want to go there. I don't want to get there. How do I guard against burnout? So we're going to talk about two things that we see in the Bible that will help us to beat burnout. And here we go. The first one is this, find your fit. Find your fit. Now, uh, fit is so important. Um, I don't know about you, but when you have that outfit and it just, it fits so right, you know, it just feels so good, so comfy. It looks so good on you. And isn't that a great feeling? We all love that. We all have our favorite outfit. This is one of my favorite shirts here. Um, and pretty much any shirt or any outfit that looks good on me is because my wife, who has a much better fashion sense than me, actually picked it out for me. Um, but there was, uh, there's one exception to that rule. She picked out this Father's Day shirt for me just this past Father's Day, man. And uh, that fit was so bad, okay? It was so bad that it, I don't even own it anymore. Like, I, you ever have that? It just, I just I gave it to somebody else. And now they're dealing with they're dealing with that bad fit. She just found out about this this morning, okay, by the way. So that was, that was very exciting. Um, but, you know, fit, we, we got to find our fit when it comes to fashion. But, but how much more important is it to find our fit when it comes to work? Now, in finding your fit, let me share with you, I want to share with you two core Bible verses, okay? The first one comes from Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. First book of the Bible. This is the creation story. It says this, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden. Notice this, to what? To work it and take care of it. Now, I want to just remind you of a couple of things here. So here we are in the garden of Eden. Now you have to understand this is Genesis chapter two, okay? Sin and evil and all the negative stuff, that doesn't happen until Genesis chapter three. So what we have here in Genesis chapter two is paradise. It's paradise in the garden. Everything is as God intended it to be. Now, I don't know what comes to your mind when you think of paradise, but this is what comes to my mind, okay? This is what comes to my mind when I think about paradise, all right? 
I mean, I'm just at peace. I'm relaxed, tranquility. You know, I'm on my hammock somewhere. How about you? What's fascinating is that is not God's picture of paradise whatsoever. It says, the Lord God took the man, put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. This is fascinating, okay? Here we are in paradise and what are we given to do? Work. God's message to you is this, work is a good thing. Work is something you're made to do. This is a blessing. This is beautiful. We all love a good hammock, but that's actually not what God put us on this earth to do. Sure, every now and then, but we were made to work. And not just that, we were made to enjoy our work. Don't miss that, to enjoy our work, okay? So hold that with this other verse in the New Testament, Romans 12, 6. The apostle Paul writes, in his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. Now, we all know this, right? We have certain things that we're good at, certain things we're terrible at. Um, this is a great reminder that this is a God thing, okay? The things that you've uniquely been gifted to do, are that's, that's a God thing. God's made you to do certain things well, and you gotta pay attention to those things. So I want you to focus on this Venn diagram for a, a couple of minutes, because when we're talking about burnout, okay, you've gotta find your fit, and your fit is at the intersection of your talent, your passion, and opportunity. We're just, let me walk through this real quick, okay? So the first thing is your talent. This is the Romans 12, 6, what God has gifted you to do. These are these things in your life that you're naturally good at, okay? Many things may already come to mind. If they don't, here's a tip. Ask the people closest to you. Just say, hey, I'm trying to figure out like legitimately, what are my God-given gifts? Just ask them. They'll tell you. They'll tell you what you're good at. They'll probably tell you what you're not good at too. You don't want that, okay? Just, uh, just no, just, just what I'm good at, all right? So where, where your gifts lie, where your talents are, what you're good at, where that intersects with your passion, now things start to get really, really good, okay? Your passion, the, the things you love to do, the things you're naturally curious about, you're drawn to them. It's, it's easy, it's not work, it's not effort because you're just, you, you love to do it. Now, where, where those two things come together, now we're cooking with gas, all right? But there's one other part of this Venn diagram that is so crucial, and that is the opportunity piece, because if there's no need for it, if there's no market for it, aka no one's going to pay you to do it, then that's not finding your fit, okay? Listen, I love the Cincinnati Bengals, okay? Happy football season to all of you football fans out there. It's a beautiful, beautiful Sunday, isn't it? All right. I could be the most talented, passionate Bengals fan in the world, watch every play of every Cincinnati Bengals football game. I could be the best at it possible. Is anybody going to pay me to do that? No. So guess what? That's not my fit, okay? Where the world needs it, where there's a market for it, now here we have this beautiful thing. And right there in the middle of those three circles, that is your fit. Now, some of you were like, man, this is awesome. I'm right there. That is my fit. I'm in the sweet spot. Others of you, you recognize you're somewhere else on this diagram. And I just want to ask you, if you're not in the sweet spot, what do you need to do to find your fit? Where do you need to shift? What, what needs to happen for you to find your fit? Because one of the leading causes of burnout is when we're not 
where we need to be work-wise. We, we're not in our fit. Now, um, if this whole thing, like, is, like, all of a sudden you're like, Derek, thanks for all the, producing all the anxiety in me and the disconnect. This is fantastic. I'm really grateful for that. I'm totally not having my fit. Um, I want to share with you a resource. Uh, it's called What to Do Next. It's a book I just finished reading. It's, it's a relatively new book by Jeff Henderson. Man, he walks you through, if you're not in the right fit, how do you get there? Uh, highly, highly recommend. All right, so that's the first thing. You want to beat burnout? Find your fit. Find your fit. Second thing, because maybe you're like, I am, and I still feel burned out. That was actually my story. Perfectly fitted, but still feeling burned out. So the second thing is this, just say no. Just say no. Uh, I don't know uh, those of you who remember this marketing campaign and the whole like war against drugs, but, um, but many, many years ago, I, I was a kid and uh, this slogan made it cool to say no to drugs, man. Like it, I just was empowered. I was like, I can stand up to anybody. No, you know, and, and it was cool to say no. Today, I think a lot of us, if we're going to be honest, we feel a lot of guilt around saying no, don't we? Especially as people of faith, because aren't you supposed to be open and saying yes and loving and serving and, you know, just like what, what is God telling you to do? We're, we're sort of in this wanting to have a spiritual posture of yes. So what do we do with this? What do we do with all this guilt? Well, um, I want you to know something really important about Jesus Christ. Jesus said no. And I want to show you this. It's in the gospel of Mark in the first chapter. This is one of the four historical accounts of Jesus' life, okay? Let me give you a little bit of context. Uh, in, in Mark chapter one, Jesus is with his disciples in Capernaum in Israel, okay? Anybody been to Capernaum? Anybody been? Okay, I see some hands. Okay, we got a few of you guys. I got to go to Capernaum. I'm gonna show you a picture. Uh, this was with a group from Grace last year. We, we went uh, on an amazing week-long trip. We're gonna do it again in a couple of years. If you're interested, email me. We'll get you on the, the interest list. Um, and so here we are. This is Capernaum. It's beautiful, right? It's a gorgeous, gorgeous place. Um, and for those of you who don't know, this is our lead pastor, John, in the blue there, uh, looking very locked in. And he's very spiritual. Okay, this is a spiritual place, a spiritual man here. Um, but what he's actually looking at is the synagogue that's referenced in Mark chapter one. Let's show, let's show the synagogue. Because this for me was one of the highlights of the entire week that we were in Israel. Okay, this is the only synagogue in Capernaum. This is the synagogue that is referenced in Mark chapter one that Jesus went into. He taught in this synagogue and I got to stand right there. It was incredible, incredible, okay? And it says in Mark chapter one, he taught in that synagogue and he healed a man in that synagogue. And then, and then he healed Peter's mother-in-law who was back over here in this spot. So that's a church that was built over Peter's house, okay? So right there, and we got to go walk around that church. That is where Jesus healed Peter's mother-in-law. Now, these healings took place in Capernaum, okay? And no, they didn't have, you know, social media back then, but man, word spread like wildfire. And the whole town, it says in Mark chapter one, all of a sudden is gathered at the door outside of Peter's house, right there. And as the whole town is gathered outside the road, everybody wants to see Jesus. Everybody is like losing their mind. Like, I got to see Jesus. I got to get healed. I need counsel. You know, this is amazing. I, this is incredible. 
And so with all that in mind, late into the night, Jesus is trying to see as many people as he can. And then early the next morning, the disciples wake up. They wake up and Jesus is gone. Okay, this is a problem for the disciples because like, oh my gosh, we gotta find Jesus like immediately, okay? So they go out looking for Jesus who's escaped off into the wilderness somewhere praying. And, um, and so this is where we pick it up. Uh, Mark 1, 37 and 38. It says that when they found Jesus, they exclaimed, they exclaimed, they're like screaming at him. Everyone's looking for you. Okay, they're freaked out, man. Like Jesus, you know, you're the whole show here, man. Like you got to come back to Capernaum, you know? Everybody's looking for you. And look at Jesus' response. Check this out. He says, guys, you know what? Let's go somewhere else. What? What? Jesus, there's people to be healed. I mean, you've got to go back to Capernaum. There's people who need you. Ah, you know what? Let's go somewhere else, man. Let's go. Let's go somewhere else. I've got to go to another town. There's other places we got to go. There's more ministry that's got to happen. Don't miss this. Jesus said no. He said no. If you're here and you're feeling some kind of way about saying no to people, I want you to say this with me. I want you to be empowered by this. I want you to say, Jesus said no. You ready? Jesus said no. We're going to do that again. We can do better. Ready? Jesus said no. Okay. And you can too. All right. One of the number one ways that we burn out, even when we're in a job we love and that we're well suited for is by simply doing too much. Our lives are too busy. We don't have proper boundaries in place, especially when it comes to work. I'll never forget the first job that I had out of college. I was uh, working for um, a large business consulting firm in Cincinnati, and uh, there were a ton of us new hires, and uh, the, the partner in charge of the Cincinnati office sat down with all of us, and he gave us this like rallying pep talk, um, and I'll never forget it. It was great, great advice. He said, guys, he said, listen, this firm will take everything that you're willing to give it. It will never say no. Only you can say no. I said, man, this is, this is awesome. That was wisdom right there. Like, I'm like, this is great. It's going to be a good work-life balance situation, you know? And then they proceeded to put us all on planes, send us across the country, work us 80-hour weeks for the next year. And I was like, this is crazy. This, I'm totally burned out, okay? Um, so, um, but I think, I think the important principle here is that as much as we realize, hey, Jesus said no, I know that there's things that I need to say no to, it still takes great wisdom, doesn't it? Especially if you're just starting out your career or maybe you've just moved into a different job or a different field and you're building your reputation, you need great wisdom. Ask God, God, show me when and where and how I can set those those boundaries up because I don't wanna get fired, right? But with that in mind, okay, it, there's tension there. I, I totally admit that. Okay? I, I had a very hard time saying no early on in my career. But still, the question remains, what do you need to say no to? What do you need to say no to? Because there's probably something that you need to say no to. When I was in the midst of my burnout a year ago, the thing I said no to was morning meetings. Now, I'm a little further on in my, in my career stage, and so I had a little bit more control on when a number of my meetings were happening, so just know that. But, um, but what I realized was, when I was in burnout, 
things, everything just took longer for me. Like it was harder to get started in the morning. It was harder to focus on tasks. And I realized I need to take the best part of my day and move those big rocks that I need to move. And so I'm like, I can't just be sitting in meetings during my most productive, most creative time. I need to be able to start my day with a workout. I need to be able to get the blood flowing. I need to be able to have focused time where I can do deep work, get those things knocked out. And then the rest of the day, I can do meetings and other things. So for you, what does it look like? What do you need to say no to? Thankfully, I'm no longer in that, that stage of burnout. Um, now, maybe, maybe for, for you, that thing that you need to say no to, maybe it's work-related, maybe it's not. Maybe you've just got too much other stuff going on in your life. And I wanna remind you of one other thing. You may have to say no to a good thing to say yes to the best thing, okay? It may be a good thing that you have to say no to. Um, so one last thing, and then, um, and then I'm gonna give us a little time to pray and we're, then we're gonna close out. So in Europe, I don't know if you've heard about this, but in Europe, uh, they're doing some pretty interesting stuff around this whole work-life balance. And um, so I was born in England, so I'm, I'm European, and, and John loves to point out the fact that I'm, that I'm British, especially around July 4th and other times where he can just kind of take a good, good you know, jab at me, which, which is great. But what was really great is that a few years ago, uh, John's kids, as a birthday present, they got him an Ancestry.com test, and he took that test, and oh my goodness, it was absolutely fantastic when one of his family members shared the results with me. It was great. Um, you know what I found out? John Sly, our pastor, is 63% British. That's right, baby, 63%. This was actually at a staff meeting five years ago. As soon as I found out the results of that, we actually invited the queen, God rest her soul, to come all the way over. And, uh, you know, she loves me. So um, she came over and we, we celebrated that. But, um, but no, seriously, in, in Europe, which John is very much on board with now, um, they, they're doing some pretty creative stuff around work-life balance. And uh, in a number of European countries, and in fact, around uh, the, the, the EU as a whole, they're working on legislation, you might've heard of it, called the right to disconnect. The right to disconnect. And basically what it means, the right to disconnect, is that employees have the right outside of their normal working hours when now they're trying to be home with family and unplug and all that stuff to not have to be on call, to not have to respond to emails and phone calls and texts and all that stuff. Legally, they're working on the right for workers to do that. Now, I don't know how you feel about that one way or another, okay? But basically, these European countries are saying, we're gonna help you just say no because obviously you're not good at it. So we're we're gonna help you to just say no. Now, regardless of how you feel about that, we definitely don't have that around here, do we? <laughs> I mean, there's, there's no right to disconnect. I mean, if you're going to say no, it's because you have mustered up the wisdom and the courage to, to do that. So one last time, so you don't miss this. What do you need to say no to, to guard against burnout? Now, before I pray and before we go rushing out of here onto the next thing, because we're all Washingtonians and you all have something going on right after this, don't you? Like we're immediately like, okay, cool, got the message, got the point, just say no, okay, got it, let's go, all right? Before you do that, I wanna just create a little sacred space. I wanna give you a minute to actually 
Take a breath. When's the last time you took a deep breath? Okay? Yeah, right now, right? Do it. Um, just to take a breath, just to sit and just be still. Joe's going to play for us so it's not awkward silence, okay? Because that'd be weird. But just create a little moment here. Just you and God. So maybe it's something from today's message about burnout. Maybe it's something that we've been discussing in these weeks about work-life balance. But what's God saying to you? What has God already said to you? What do you you've heard things, but what do you actually need to do? What's your next step that you need to take? So let's just take a minute right now. Just be still. Just sit. Let God just speak to you. Or maybe you want to write something down. Just take a minute and then I'll close us in prayer. God, we we need your help with this whole work-life balance thing. For those who are in this room right now dealing with burnout, just feeling some sort of way, God, I pray that you you would help them to figure out a way forward, to figure out what it is that we need to do to get back to where you want us to be. God, please speak to each one of us who are here. Show us, God, show us now. Um, It's so easy to fill our minds with things, with ideas, principles, wisdom. But God, show us what we should go and actually do about it. For those who aren't feeling the fit, God, guide us. Show us what our next step looks like. Many of us overcommitted, God. Help us with the no. Help us to get back to balance. And God, once we have a sense of what you're saying to us, give us the discipline and give us the courage to go do it. In Christ's name.